Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast with me, your host, Chris Target. This podcast is for mortgage brokers and estate agents who are looking to grow their online presence through social media. I'll share tips, best practices, and useful tools that will help you save time and ultimately expand your business. Welcome to the Social for Brokers podcast. Today, I have John Stones with me. So John is the Managing Director of Mortgage First, who are based in Derbyshire, and he's been running the company for the last 14 years. So John now employs over 40 staff. I think he was saying like 43 of them now before we started on the podcast. To give you an idea of the business levels that they do, Mortgage First, they did 607 mortgage applications in quarter one with £68 million worth of lending, which is just phenomenal. So if you want to know how to build a beast of a business like this, then stay tuned for the next 30 minutes. If you're not driving, get a bit of pen and paper and take a few notes. Uh, We're going to have a chat about everything from how we launched the business, where he is now, where he wants to take it, and also importantly, how social has helped with not only leads, but with uh, recruitment of staff as well, and the next steps that these guys are going to take from here. So, John, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Welcome. No problem, Chris. Thanks for having me on. Bit of a bit of a big intro there, so I'm feeling, feeling under pressure already, to be honest. <laughs> I like to say to people, it's just a bit of a chat, and then you get rolling. I think it's, it's nice when I get people like yourself that have built this business and you're so passionate about it that you could sit there and talk for hours couldn't you about it so I'm sure we'll have loads to go on yeah absolutely especially subject once I get going uh, you struggle to stop me sometimes yeah (laughs) and I'll have to excuse if anybody's watching this on YouTube you'll probably see my face is bright red I was at a farm yesterday and I sat facing the sun for about four hours holding a dog lead (laughs) uh, yeah I think it's you can see my sunglasses lying on my nose. So somebody turn down the brightness on their screen if you're watching. Right. So let's get a bit of an intro into who you are, John, what you've done, where you've been and where you are right now. Yeah. So um, like you say, Mortgage First um, set the firm up in 2008. Um, prior to that, I had a number of jobs. Um, shelf stacker in Morrison's, I worked in a call centre, worked as a travel agent, just kind of fell into financial advice, really. Okay. Um, a friend of mine was, um, probably like most people, I'd, I'd been dreaming of being a mortgage advisor, to be honest. Um, a friend of mine was uh, worked at CIS, Carp Insurance, as a, as a financial advisor. Um, he got me an interview there, um, winged that a little bit, somehow I managed to get myself a job, got my uh, financial planning certificates, Got my um, MAQ as it was back in the day, not CMAT, was too old for uh, too old for that. It was even before was the CMAT, yeah. Mortgage advice qualification, it was, yeah. So, uh, so did that. Um, stayed at CIS a couple of years, then went off to be a to, to work as an employee broker for a firm that offered me a role. Um, and then, kind of, credit crunch was on the horizon. The firm that I was working for. Um, they were moving more to or moved more towards the sort of adverse credit market, um, which you could see the issues coming on the horizon. So 2008, just as a credit crunch was happening, decided to set my own company up, which was a, a rather foolish move possibly at the time, um, but managed to survive that. Um, next four or five years was, was really pretty much just a one-man band ticking along, me as, me as a mortgage advisor. And the business really started to grow around 2013, 2014, um, which was then when we sort of looked at taking on, or I looked at taking on another advisor, um, first administrator, first of all, and then moved on to another advisor. And we've 
we've certainly steadily steadily grown from there. So you know the business has been going 14 years now. Mm-hmm. But in terms of sort of growth and that kind of thing, it's it's really only been the last sort of seven um, seven eight years or so that, that the growth has really actually been uh, actually been going. Um, we're now at a point where, like I say, based in Chesterfield, Derbyshire, we've got 43 staff in total. I think it is 26, 27 brokers, um, predominantly based uh, remotely all over the country. Okay. Um, and then the admin team, management team, as well as some of the advisors working uh, working from head office in, in Chesterfield. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much us. So when you set up in 2008, did you ever, did you ever think, look, I'm going to have nearly 50 staff working for a company? No, absolutely not. Um, it, it was never my intention to, to, to build a, a big, you know, mortgage brokerage. It just not by accident, but it, you know, it just kind of happened along the way. Really, um, it was never the, the plan to, to have lots of staff and that kind of thing. Um, it was just kind of how the, the the business evolved. You know, I've got no business experience. I've got no management experience. I was just a pretty run-of-the-mill mortgage advisor, to, to, to be perfectly honest. And then there was the sort of certain things that happened along the way, um, which enabled us to, to significantly grow the business. Um, and now we're in a, in a position where we're sort of looking at the next steps to, 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 to really take it to the next level as well. So I love that because a lot of speech to a lot of mortgage brokers who are in that stage where they've maybe hired the first admin or they're looking to get the second mortgage broker on board. And it's almost like I don't think people realise how much opportunity there is out there to grow to this business because you never, you probably never had a business plan. You know what I mean? You didn't like have to have a business plan to apply for all these grants and that kind of thing. You were just like, right, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm getting good referrals come back to me. I've got too many to handle, so I need another broker. And then I need another one. And then I need an extra admin staff to help with that. And it's like that domino effect, isn't it? When did you, was there a time when it exploded? Did you get like to five staff and it jumped to 20 or 10 and it jumped to 30? Um, I can't really remember. It's all a bit <laughs> in a blur. In a blur the last few years, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that the, the last couple of years we've gone from kind of 12, 15 to, to 20, 26, 27. We've got another, a big jump. Yeah, we've got another couple going through authorization process at the moment. I've had... 15 CVs in my inbox just over the weekend. I've got to sit and go through today to, to have a look at things. Um, so, I mean, I guess the the escalation of it was was kind of probably from the, the one advisor and one admin to kind of five or six advisors. There was, there was quite, and that's probably the biggest jump in terms of business growth. Um, that's the point when I then had to bring extra people in to kind of help me manage the business day to day, commissions and, and that kind of thing. Because all of a sudden you're going from, being an advisor with an administrator to, you know, managing people, even though, you know, the advisors then and some of the advisors now are still self-employed, you're still to a certain degree managing them. They're still representing you and your business and your brand, still your name on the, you know, above the door at the end of the day. So whatever they do reflects on you. So you're having to do that. You're also having to manage commissions and all that kind of thing. So that jump kind of 2014, 2015, where we probably went from one to, to five or six in the space of about 12 months was was probably the most the most dramatic jump that the business uh, the business took. Was it scary? Because I know a lot of people do find that step quite to say, right, it's just me, I can look after my business, to then say, I've got to feed five brokers with leads. No, it, it wasn't um, because we were growing for the right reasons. We were growing because we were too busy. Okay. Some people, um, you know, I've, I've spoke to a few people over the years and they're maybe looking to grow for the 
not the wrong reasons, but they're looking to grow because they want to grow a big business rather right. than having, um, you know, people are, oh, I want to take an advisor on and I want to, you know, we grew because I was too busy myself and I took an administrator on because I was doing all my own admin. So the next step is you take an administrator on. Then when you get to the point when you're still too busy, even with an administrator, that's when you take your first advisor on. So we were, it wasn't scary because we we knew that we um we knew that we had the leads to feed them yeah growing because of that um it's scarier now you know particularly over the last couple of years when you've got 15 20 employees on the payroll mm-hmm. and you know you kind of think well if things go belly up now it's not just me and my family that that that's at risk there's there's well 40 42 other families um that are at risk as well in terms of so yeah, particularly when I see the payroll each month, that's a bit scary. <laughs> I can imagine. It makes my eyes water a little bit. <laughs> so but where yeah. are you where are you going next? And I want to talk about where you go next. And then I'd like to get a bit of a, an input into how you step back from the business because you don't advise. But where is Mortgage First going next? Um, so we've we've done a number of things over the last sort of six to six to eight months in terms of building the found rebuilding the foundations again so we, we've kind of had um a good period of growth where we've gone from you know like i say not to five five to ten ten to etc um but actually the, the plans are that hopefully in the next sort of 12 months we're looking to, to double in size in terms of advisor numbers wow. but in order to do that and to make sure that everything is in place that we need um we've had to sort of restructure the senior management of the company okay. um, so you know if you rewind three years ago sort of everything was kind of going through 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 me and lisa whereas now we have three senior managers in place we've got carly who's who's head of service she essentially looks after the service that our introducers and and our clients get um you have john who is head of advisor development so john's role is to be the support particularly for the self-employed brokers particularly new brokers that come into the firm that are working remotely and he is there to guide them, hold their hand to whatever level they need it to, to get them to where we want them to be and where they want to be. And then we've also just brought Paul in as well, whose role is head of growth. Um, Paul is, is sort of looking to grow and um, the introducers to grow the advisor numbers and, and to grow the mortgage first brand as well. Um, and then underneath that, we've made various sort of um, promotions within the administration team um, to help facilitate the sort of next level of growth. Um, so yeah, we've, we've got big plans um, for the next sort of I put a plan in place with, with our network Stonebridge. We were talking to them about sort of what the, the next five years looks like, and we sort of did short, medium, long-term goals. Ultimately, the long-term goal is to to, to be one of the biggest and best in the in the uh, in the country um, on business volumes, on advisor headcount as well. Um, so yeah, it should be uh, exciting a few years. Interest. And what are the numbers that you're doing at the minute? So you were talking about February was one of your biggest, your biggest month, and then March yeah, Feb- popped it again, didn't it? Yeah, February was um, February was was our biggest ever month of business, new business submitted, as in commission mm-hmm. value. Um, and then March was twenty percent higher than that. I mean, last year we did we did just over a quarter of a billion in terms of completed lending. So two hundred and fifty three million we completed on last year. Um, so the aim. Long term aim is that I want to get a billion to you know to a billion of lending per year, which would be wow. uh, nice. Um, aim this year is obviously to you know to keep to keep better in it. So we're hoping for three hundred to three fifty, but it's quite fluid because it depends on how many advisors we actually yeah. bring in. You know, we're, we're looking at hopefully 
bringing a significant number in. But if they come in in the next month, then they're going to have quite a big impact on the rest of this year. If they're not in and on board for the next three, you know, in three to four months, well, then it takes two to three months and start banking. And it's not really going to have a big impact till next year. So the targets are always quite fluid whenever somebody sort of asks me to, to put on a watch your aim for this year, because really it depends on how much we grow. Um, but yeah, billion pound a year in lending would be, would be quite nice to hit. Awesome. That's going to be the title of the podcast, how to get a business <laughs> to a billion. <laughs> yeah. I suppose one of the big questions is, where do you find staff? Because that is the, I think, looking from the outside in, it's one of the biggest struggles is finding good staff, finding good managers, good administration staff, good brokers. Where do you find them? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I've got a number of friends who run run their own brokerages and it's, it's, a, it's a common question, to be honest. It is hard finding, you know, um, finding the right people. Um, some of our best recruitment has actually just been done by referrals from our existing advisors. Um, so you know, we 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 offer them a referral incentive because the way we look at it is well if we're going to pay a recruiter to, to find us an advisor, why wouldn't we um, incentivize our staff to bring good advisors through the door as well? Um, so one of the ways is through um, you know the bigger you grow, the more output those advisors have in terms of people that they know as well. So that's mm-hmm. a big way that we that we do it is by, and you would like to think that even if you're offering a a, a cash incentive for them to refer people they're not going to refer people who aren't very good because it, it doesn't look very good on their, on them as an individual as well. So um, you would like to think they're only going to refer people of a high calibre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously the obvious one of, of recruitments as well, uh, recruiters as well. And to be honest, a, a big way that we do it is, is through social media, is, is through yeah. growing, the, growing the brand on, on, on LinkedIn and things like that. Um, because ultimately, you know, LinkedIn is, um, it's a business site. It's, that, that's where if you're yeah. going to, if you're going to get in front of lots and lots of potential new recruits, LinkedIn is the place to do it. Yeah. And we'll get into onto social media because we, we had an interesting chat before the podcast about how social is not only used for lead generation, but it's also can be cleverly used for staff recruitment as well. Before we get onto the social media section, this is, I have a few business owners that come on that have got to your size and it's, it's impossible for you to be a mortgage broker and to, to run a business. So at what stage did you step back from being a mortgage advisor? And what advice could you give people that are maybe teetering on the edge at this moment in time? Um, so I probably did it. Um, again, it's all a bit of a blur, particularly with, with lockdown and that kind of thing. It was, yeah. it was about um, 2019 when I probably, um, 2019-ish, um, when I stepped back. And, and ultimately, the reason that we did it is I couldn't keep doing both roles. I couldn't keep wearing both hats. Um, you know, we, we've, um, I was an advisor and, and, you know, without blowing my own trumpet, like most people who, who build a successful mortgage broker, because I was, I was a pretty good mortgage broker at the time as well. So, you know, I, I was writing a hell of a lot of business myself um, whilst also trying to sort of grow and run a, a business. And then, um, myself and Lisa, my wife, who's, who's um, also one of the directors of the, of the firm, two young kids, you know, we've got a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, so rewind to this point, you know, kids are sort of three and three and seven. Um, I couldn't keep doing both things. I was, I was working 7 a.m. till 8 p.m. Monday to Friday. I was working every Saturday, um, trying to keep on top of of everything of being a mortgage advisor and um you know trying to grow and run a business as well 
Um, and you kind of reach the point where you've got to make a decision on, on what you want to be. You know, do you want to be a mortgage advisor or do you want to be a business owner? There's, there's no wrong or right answer. It's whatever's right for, for you as an individual. Did you, did you toy with the idea? Sorry to interrupt. Did you toy yeah. with the idea of getting somebody in to be like an MD of the company and you to be a mortgage broker? No, because to be perfectly honest, I'd reached the end of the line with being a mortgage oh, broker. Had you, right, okay. I'd, I'd, it had been that intense um, for, for such a number of years. Um, you know, I mean, Stonebridge, the, the network that we're part of, they have what they call the 100 clubs of them. They probably had about seven, eight hundred brokers in my day. Um, and I was in the top 10 advisors in the network whilst whilst business, but I wouldn't say I'd lost my love for it, but I just, you know, I look back now and people say, Oh, do you miss being an advisor? My answer is God no. <laughs> not not at all. Um, and 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 that's to do with me personally. Like I say, you know, I, I've got some good friends and they've that they do miss it and they're, they're almost tempted to, to get back on the tools every now and again. Whereas I, being completely honest, couldn't think of anything worse to, to, to go back to. Now I've taken that step away, but at the time, um, I absolutely loved it. So, um, so no, I didn't consider that because I just saw that as a natural sort of evolution of my role. It's, it's my business. Um, so if anybody is going to run the business day to day, surely it, it should be me. Um, it so- must have been quite hard for you to make that mindset shift where every morning you'd come in and go right if I do four appointments today and I get four signups I see that as success whereas the first day where you said I'm not doing any appointments to walk into the office you've then got to reframe what success actually looks like and it's success as a business owner rather than a mortgage broker so how do you structure your day what do you I know we're going into a lot more depth of this than I thought we would but I no no it's it's fine I mean it's yeah, it's a difficult one. You've, you know, I remember speaking to a guy who who ran a similar sized business at the time, and he deal for eyes and stepped back a, a year or two earlier, and he he sort of said a similar thing that it is a very it's a very weird scenario. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go into it think, well, I, I don't know what I'm what I'm going to do, what I'm going to feel they doing, and then before you know it, you're busier than ever, and you wonder how you ever managed to fit the the advice into it. I mean, I guess the the hardest part of it all is the financial element to it. Okay. In the sense of it took us a good few years from a financial point of view for the business to sort of sort itself out yeah. from you deauthorizing. And, and, you know, we don't get me wrong, we're still making, we're still making decent money. But if you think, if you've got, a, if you're an advisor mm-hmm. writing X amount of, you know, hundreds of thousands a year in terms of commission, the company keeps 100% of that when it comes in because there's nobody to, 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 to pay it away to. Yeah. Obviously, I'm a director. I'm not paid a commission on the, the business that goes through. It just goes into the business. So, you know, if you think as an advisor, you're banking X, that's the business's money. So straight away, to replace that level of lending, uh, level of income, shall I say, you probably need two or three brokers because you've got to pay them a commission Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them putting it simply aren't going to be as good as you or aren't going to care as much as you because it's not their business. Yeah. And um, so to to bring in that same level of profit for the company, you've almost got to bring in two to four advisors, depending on the level of business that you're doing, just to stand still and make the same amount of money. Um, so that that is always when I speak to people about, you know, who are on the edge of, oh, shall I do it? Shouldn't I do it? That is the biggest eye opener in terms of 
actually the financial implications of doing it straight away from you know depending on whatever split you're going to pay somebody to look after your clients and do your business mm-hmm. they need to do nearly twice as much as you were doing for you as a company to make the same amount of money um and that takes a bit of getting used to when you when you yeah, go don't think about it, it's a financial element because you're taking as soon as you step back from being a broker you're taking a very successful broker out of the money generating part of the business so that's gone so like well, you, you're essentially almost losing your number one your number yeah, one broker yeah. um and you're having to replace them with with like say two three four other brokers because even if they even if you replace it like for like mm-hmm. you're still making 50 60 percent less because you're having to pay this broker to do the same level of business yeah so it's um yeah that, that's yeah, i never thought about it like that it did. And, and were you prepared for that did you think no. No, no, I, didn't. no, no. <laughs> I love this honestly. We, 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 we reached, you know, we reached the point where I had to step back because I couldn't keep, I couldn't keep doing everything. Yeah. Um, and, and we'd already grown the business to a certain level. So we, we wanted to carry on growing it. Um, and yeah, we, you know, we took the decision, right, we, we've got to do it now. I've got to step back and start growing the business. That financial side of it, if I'm being perfectly honest, hadn't really registered probably in the same way and it's not something you've ever thought of but in the same way that it hadn't with you mm-hmm. and don't really think about it until you know you're looking at the the, the sort of ins and outs you're thinking, well we banked what we always did why why is there not as much left at the end of the month <laughs> and it's like, ah right yeah that'll be because i was keeping i was banking 100 percent of it whereas we've now to pay those two advisors to look after my clients so um, yeah. but and it does take some time so yeah i mean my biggest tip to people looking at doing it is, is make sure you're prepared for that side of things financially and you've got a decent amount of money in the bank because you're right, the same levels of business as you've always done, your profit's going to drop mm-hmm. because you're not retaining you're not retaining as much of it. And how? last question on this, I promise. How, how did you feel handing over clients that were your regulars? That must be... Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's... Now, it, it's just it's just sort of you know you just become used to it now at the start it was the start it was it was quite difficult i'm a bit of a control freak by nature anyway so having you know having to hand them over it wasn't so bad handing them over it was more the kind of learning to trust that they're going to get dealt with at first i was probably a little bit too i was i was handing them over but then i was just almost chasing it up as if it was my client so i'd be on the phone have you spoke to that client have you spoke to that client have you spoke to that client and once you then just sort of accept and trust that they're going to get dealt with it's quite liberating and and, and quite you know i was out with some friends at the weekend and, and one of them said to me oh what, what's a good mortgage rate at the moment i was like i don't know you've Come got on. experts that do that for you man. <laughs> i have absolutely no idea but i guess someone just give you a ring who can who can tell you what a good mortgage rate is so i guess once you kind of, you know, yes, you've got to keep your eye in and, you, you know, you, you need to know what, what's happening with, with lenders and rates and that kind of thing. It's a bit of an over-exaggeration, but once you kind of accept that and, and hand that over, it's, it's quite liberating to, to kind of be able to um, have that bit of freedom. But yeah, at first, the first, probably at least the first year, I was probably a bit of a control freak with the clients. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, even now, clients still come back to me. They'll be, you know, I'll put in touch with an advisor and be like, Oh, John, I just wanted to check. Is, is would you take this? Would you take this rate? And he's like, look, you know, I wouldn't have put you in touch that broker if I didn't trust trust yeah. their advice. But, but yes, I would do this if 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 that's what you're asking. So still get clients coming back now. But no, it's um, it, it, it like I said, it comes quite liberating after a yeah. while. 
but as you said, you you've got a team of brokers that you know will will look after them. Anyway, sorry, we we have spoke a lot in depth in that, and I really hope that helps some people if they're at that stage at the moment and teaching on the edge and maybe doing it, or you've got a plan for five years time, John's been through it. So just take those tips on board. They're really useful. So we are now onto the social media section. Now you are big on social media and it's not so much just posting all the time, posting you're huge on personal content in terms of the team, aren't you? So you do a lot of meet the team posts, don't you? How do those go down with your audience? Yeah, really well. Um, so, I mean, we, we we try to focus on the kind of personal aspects of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my take on and and LinkedIn is the only one really that I personally use a lot. I'm on Instagram. I'm on I'm, I'm actually on all, on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. But um, in terms of me actively posting and using rather than just mm-hmm. snooping and looking at stuff um linkedin is the only one one that i use and and obviously this is big thing um and and you see it all the time people put up sorry for the personal post it shouldn't matter it's Mm -hmm. the the whole oh linkedin for business is is you know completely old news nowadays Mm -hmm. people react much better to the personal side not just on linkedin on on facebook as well lisa runs our we've got 12,000 followers or something on, on Facebook and she runs that and the posts that get so much more engagement are the personal ones whether it's about the staff or you know puts a picture of our kids on bringing easter eggs to the office that gets so much more interaction than something about interest rates or product changes people don't care about that people are, you know they, they can find that information if they want it what people want to see is the kind of you know the the, the real people behind the, the company which is why we put the the meet the team thing on, you know, introducing all the staff. Um, and yes, on the website, we've got the, the professional pictures that everybody has taken when they, when they come here. But on the meet the team, it's more about the, the personal side of it. Because again, mm. the personal side of things tends to get much more interaction um, than the, the professional corporate side of it all. And you need that balance. I speak a lot on this podcast about the balance between business and personal because they both go hand in hand, don't they? You can't just always have photos of the kids and things because then they're like are they actually mortgage brokers but then you can't always just post about business because they'll think well i don't want to deal with a faceless brand i want that you want to have that mix don't you and it seems like you guys hit the nail on the head with it yeah it's absolutely you've got to have you've got to have the right mix and the right balance and it, it you know as we were talking before we started it all links in so um you know we, we've we put stats on which shows the business levels and the growth and that kind of thing um, but then we also put the personal stuff on there as well. And it's all about the bigger picture. It's all about growing growing the overall mortgage first brand. Mm-hmm. And so I, I made a, 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 an effort sort of 12 months or so ago to do more on LinkedIn mm-hmm. because it helps with growing your business. So when you are putting stuff on about the business growth and, and that kind of thing, it's getting the lenders involved. The lenders are then, you know, sort of seeing that and they're wanting to be aligned with, with you as a brand and it helps grow the brand. When you're putting the stuff on about culture and that kind of thing, it all massively helps with recruitment as well. You know, you asked about how you how you recruit people. Um, yes, you can use recruiters, you can do X, Y, Z. But actually, a lot of what we get now is people approaching us, often through LinkedIn, um, about wanting to, to come on board. You know, I think a couple of our top advisors that we've got in the business, in fact, our, our first and second advisor um, in terms of our, our lead tables that we do internally, both just joined the business because they sent me a message on LinkedIn. 
Wow. And, you know, that's free recruitment, which comes about growing the brand, posting more, showing the culture of the business, because people will see that. And the more that you, yeah, you don't want to go too far, but the more that you post, the more people that interact with that kind of thing, the more people that are likely to then reach out to you when you do put a post on about recruitment. Because a lot of what we do is, is geared towards recruitment, but we might only post one in 30 posts actually saying we are recruiting mm-hmm. people. The, the other 29 posts is building the brand, is showing the culture, is getting people interested and aware of Mortgage First so that when then when we do look to say, okay, we are recruiting, that's when you're going to get more engagement in it. It's interesting you talk about the culture there because the culture, you will show them the culture over 20 posts, won't you? This is, this is like one of your meet the team posts as a photo of one of your staff maybe with a pint sat at, I think it was football or rugby or something, and that's that's what she might do at the weekends. And then, then there's a meet the team post, and I saw a recent one where one of your staff members holding a fish. That's not that's not the normal way that people do social with mortgage brokerages, and it stands out, which is awesome. It's great to talk about the company culture. The hard work is then done for you. When you put a recruitment post out there, you don't have to do much. And I think it's always good to recruit people that have contacted you through social because they're big on social themselves, which means if they joined your company, they're much more likely to promote the business on social and then it's just a it's just it just keeps on rolling well, they're, 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 they're like you say they're going to promote themselves they join you and they're big on socials they're going to promote themselves on socials but by default they're promoting your business and yep. your brand as well um and you know that that's absolutely it you know industry gray suits and stuffy and all that kind of thing it is definitely changing mm-hmm. um, but the culture you know that we do we we, we um Got a big plan for an event that we're going to have later on this summer, um, which is finalising the, the, the final details. But hopefully that should be amazing. You know, we do stuff with 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 the staff in terms of trying to do. We've just booked an um, adults only boozy mini golf for oh, yes. later on, which has got as a DJ. You get drinks as you're going around playing mini golf and that kind of thing. And um, so you know, stuff like that is 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 kind of growing the culture. And again, like you say, you put posts on about that. It's not your, your standard kind of um, mortgage industry stuff that people expect to see. Um, and that is what gets engagement, grows the brand, which then makes people interested again. So that when you are looking to recruit, people are, oh, yeah, I've heard of mortgage first. I might actually have a, have a look at what that's about. And mm-hmm. the whole thing that makes it it's all intertwined, whether it's growing your brand, whether it's getting more introducers, getting more clients, recruitment, it's all interlinked. So when you post something about these are the stats for this month, it's not just showing off the stats that you've done it's about growing your brand and it's about trying to recruit more people potentially attract other introducers and partners and that kind of thing i love what you've spoken about throughout that whole thing is it's there's not one post that's going to fix it there's not one strategy that's going to you need to be uploading consistently to deliver a message you can't run a set of facebook ads for a hundred pounds and expect you think you're going to get free inquiries it's not like that it's like you said when you talked about linkedin you've done that on your personal account you've done it for the last 12 months and now you're starting to reap the rewards aren't you so it is a long game isn't it It it's not a short-term one absolutely and i mean you know one of the things we haven't even touched on is is the way the business skyrocketed was was through um internet ads was through pay-per-click and that kind of thing was it Um, and and we've been doing that for you know seven eight years now um and we're still doing it now you know and we have lots of other lead sort of avenues as well and um, but again 
people go on or, or buying leads from from um, places, people say it doesn't work. It does work as long as you do it properly. And what you can't expect to do exactly the same with pay per click is is say oh, I'm going to spend two hundred pounds this month, and then I doesn't I don't get anything from it, so it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It does work. We've got you know we've been doing it eight years. Mm-hmm. We've got consistently be working at it and fine tuning it. It's the same with social media as well. And none of these are quick fixes. Yeah. And even if, you, even if you gave somebody a grand and bought some leads, you might actually say, oh, well, these leads are crap because they only wrote one mortgage off them. But then in six months' time, if you look back at those leads that you had, you might actually see that for that £1,000 spend, you wrote £8,000 off a business. But at that short little window you look at it over, mm-hmm. it looks like it's been successful. So you have to do things long-term to, to, to really get a true reflection of whether they work or not. It's like everything, isn't it? If you invest the money over a 12-month period, then look at back at what it's generated you. Do that instead of taking that snapshot of the business. Absolutely, yeah. And that's really interesting. Right, so we're now going to get onto the strategies question of the podcast, which I love hearing the answers to. And I give everybody this question before the podcast starts so they can come up with a bit of ideas. You're not sat there going, um, what? I don't know what to do. So we're going to pretend that you've moved to the north of Scotland. You've got a laptop, a mobile phone and an internet connection. What would you do to start generating mortgage business? And. Um- I mean, for, for, for me, that question is, is not really a hard one because I just do exactly what I've been doing for the last seven or eight years. To be right, okay. So what are the steps that you've taken then? So, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we um, like I say, we were quite early adopters of, of sort of pay-per-click and that kind of thing. And um, mm-hmm. we, we, we're generating um, probably some days through all our different lead, lead partners, we, um, we're generating... 100 inquiries a day, something like that, through through the various different lead platforms. Um, so for me, being in the north of Scotland, as long as I've got a, an internet connection um, and, and that kind of thing and a telephone to speak to people, lead generation is, is you know, all, all our advisors are remotely based all over the country. Um, they deal with clients remotely. They have done for the past five or six years, which is why COVID didn't have a massive impact on us, to be perfect, yeah. because other than the obvious difficulties within the mortgage market, we were able to just kind of continue continue as normal on, in, in that sense because we were so used to working remotely. So, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it doesn't really, if you have Scotland, Spain, wherever, as long as I've got an internet connection, um, you know, we, we that's exactly how we work now. We work remotely. We generate inquiries online. Um, the flip side of that is that also I think some of the best inquiries and leads that you can get just through generally speaking to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... Um, I went up to meet um, Lee Flanagan from Bespoke. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Lee, Lee's a really, really good guy, and I was uh, lucky enough to spend the day with Lee, and we were chatting about everything. Great guy, yeah. Yeah, he is. He's a really sound guy. Um, and he's, you know, so he was saying he he hates his advisors working from home. He'd rather they go off and, and work from a coffee shop or a gym or a, a wherever, because the best way to, 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 to meet new business is to be speaking to people. Rather mm-hmm. um, than being stuck, you know, in your, in your spare bedroom at home is to be out there speaking to people. And there's a lot to be said for that as well um, in terms of actually sort of speaking to people and, and you know, you're telling enough people what you do. Um, and as long as you can, you know, you can back it up with providing a quality service, you should be able to generate business that way as well. Um, and a massive percentage of our, our business as a business now comes from referrals and comes from existing clients. Um, so, you know, and that shows that if you do a good job for people, they'll come back around um so what you're saying is use that ppc to get those leads in to start with they yeah. 
you get a decent lead off that. They'll take speak to 10 people. That's the online side of it worked out. And then it's the like of coffee shops, local, speaking to people, getting your face out there. That That's what you'd recommend. That's it. And, and you know, you build your client bank through through purchasing leads or, you, you know, you can do a, por- a portion of your client bank through purchasing leads. But where you really start making money off those clients is the second time around is when they actually come back around for, for renewal on their mortgage and the cost of acquisition of that lead is zero. That's yeah. when you really start making money. And then likewise, if they refer you on to 10 of their friends, um, so it's all about speaking to people. It's about delivering a good service as well. Because ultimately, if you're buying leads in, but then not giving them a very good service, you might get a short-term win in terms of the initial deal. But you want to make sure that you're retaining that client as well when they come back around. Love it. So this is the, this is the strategy you've done to generate 100 leads a day at the minute. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's um, that's that's not every day. Um, that's um, you know, that, that's on a good day. But we will will generate leads in large volumes through through pay per click, through various other lead partners that we work with, through referrals, through existing client back coming back around, through introducers. Um, you've got to have your eggs in a lot of baskets through social media, obviously as well. You've got to have your eggs in a lot of baskets when it comes to lead generation, because you know. Jesus, every mistake you can make in terms of lead generation, we've I've made it over the years, you know, particularly all your eggs in one basket. And then overnight that lead source turns to crap. And then you, you sat there thinking, well, I haven't got any leads now. You know, even even um six months ago or something like that, the FCA changed something in terms of online lead generation and Google ads basically turned everybody off and you had to then re- reapply and get reauthorized. That yeah. took a week or two to get signed off. Um, and until you could do that, all of your pay-per-click ads were paused. Now, if you'd that have happened six years ago and our only lead gen was pay-per-click, mm-hmm. trouble because you'd had no leads for a couple of weeks. But because we had eggs in a number of baskets, yes, you feel it, but you don't you don't notice it as much. So it is important to not just focus on one area of lead generation. You need the referrals, you need the word of mouth, you need the introducers, you need the paid leads, you need the social media leads. You need everything to make sure that you're getting the leads in from all different sources. Yeah, don't rely don't rely just on one lead source because it, as you Absolutely. said, it's turned off overnight. You're you're not a goner, but it's going to seriously affect your business. Yeah, and if you've brought advisors in based on the fact that you can feed them with leads, and then all of a sudden you can't, that's when you start getting people banging on your door asking what's happening. Yeah, yeah, mate, that's been awesome. Thank you so much. There's so much value in there for people to listen to. And no problem. I could have gone down loads of other different tangents there, but um, I know people are going to be listening to this for about half an hour, so it's given them so much value. As a thank you for coming on the podcast, I'd like to make a £10 donation to a charity of your choice, John. Yeah, um, so Paul Lewis, who joined the business recently, um, as anybody who's been on LinkedIn will have seen, because he's been banging on about it for months and months and months, um, he has a charity mixed martial arts fight coming up in less than a month from now, Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. He's already raised, I think, over four and a half grand for cancer research. isn't it? Um, so, yeah, um, if you could make a donation to that, that would be, uh, be absolutely amazing. Yes, definitely. I will. And uh, we made a donation for, he messaged me about putting the logo on his shorts. So Excellent. you'll see social for brokers on his shorts when he's fighting. But yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much space left on there. <laughs> the amount of logos he's managed to uh, he's managed to get on there. That's why he didn't wear speedos. He wore shorts. Yeah, so yeah that'd have been a sight. <laughs> John, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm, I want to get you back on to really go into a bit like even more depth of how you use social and how you've grown the business even further. But I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the next 12 months, mate. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for your time, mate. Thanks, John. Cheers. Thanks.
So thank you very much for listening. If you feel this podcast brought you any value at all, I'd be extremely grateful if you could leave me a review on the podcast, little five stars, and subscribe to keep you up to date with all future episodes. We can also connect on social, so you can get me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, all with the handle Social for Brokers. Look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you all.